for you, Father. We give it all to you, Father. Everything, Father. Casting the whole of our cares, Father. Every care, every concern over on you, Father. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the teacher. We thank you for your direction. We thank you, Holy Spirit. You're not only the teacher, you're not only the guy, but you are the comforter. You know everything that everybody's going through today, Father. And we thank you, Father, that you've sent them here today, Father, to be comforted, to be taught by your word, Father. So, Holy Spirit, we give you free course today. Direct our steps, direct the words that we speak today. And, Father, I pray this morning that they're open and receptive, Father, not to the words that I speak, but the things that you speak to their hearts, Father. Minister to each individual, Father, exactly what they need to hear from you today, Father. As they look upon the words, as they look upon the scriptures today, Father, open the eyes of their understanding. Give them revelation knowledge, Father, that they'll see the depth of your word, that they'll see your love, Father, your love that has been so shed out, shed for them, Father, poured out for them, Father. And we thank you, Father, for your mercy and for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, open your Bibles, if you would, again, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, or 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to continue along the same lines that we've been speaking for the last several weeks. Of course, a couple of key scriptures that we've been looking at, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Paul writes, For we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, and the things which are not seen are eternal. Of course, as we look at this, notice again, Paul writes, We look not. Don't look at the things that you can see. In fact, we added some words to this that doesn't take away from it, but we look not at the things which are seen or perceived with our five physical senses. You know, and Paul goes on, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen, notice, they're temporary or they're subject to change. And, of course, they're subject to change by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God. Of course, then we also looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, and these things that are subject to change, changed by the Word of God, are going to require faith in our part. Paul wrote out of the Amplified in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith. Notice, we regulate our lives. We conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus, we walk not by sight or by appearance. So again, here we can see again, Paul is bringing out really the same thing. We're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we feel. It doesn't say those things aren't true because they are true. But all the Word of God is so much more true. Then Paul, or, or John, wrote in 3 John 2, he said, Beloved, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Notice, among, amongst everything else, more than anything else, John was saying, I want you to prosper and I want you to be in health. But notice, that's going to be done as our soul prospers. Or we could say, in, in the relationship to how our soul prospers. Then we looked at a couple of weeks ago, we expounded on a little bit last week in Jeremiah, 
Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 10. The prophet Jeremiah said, See, I have set this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. Notice, to root out, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Now, what the prophet was telling us, and we really see the same things in the New Testament. We see it in Ephesians. We see in Colossians. Notice what he was really trying to get out. There's some things that are going to have to be pulled out, pulled down, destroyed, thrown down, and to do that, we're going to have to plant and build. So what was he really saying? There's going to have to put off the old man and put on the new man. Glory to God. But notice, it's interesting. Who's going to do the putting off? Who's going to do the putting on? You are. That's right. And really, it's really right in line in conjunction with what John said, praying that we would prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. As our soul prospers. So really, to have a truly prosperous soul it's going to have to be one of faith and not unbelief. A prosperous soul is one of faith and not un unbelief. Trusting God, trusting His Word. You know, look at, at uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. In fact, let's just begin at verse 1. I'm going to look at verse 5, but let's just start with verse 1. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thy heart keep my commandments. Notice, for length of days and long life and peace shall they add unto thee. Sounds a lot like what John said. From the Word of God, he's telling us, if we keep our eyes fixed on the Word... He's talking about length of days, long life, and peace shall they add unto thee. Verse 3, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck and write them upon the tablet of thine heart. So shall thy find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Now notice here, trust in the Lord or trust in the word with all thine heart. Notice, lean not to your own understanding. Oh, how easy it is for us to lean to our own understanding. Circumstances take place, we get reports, bad reports, and immediately we begin to lean to our own understanding. You know, if we don't know what the Word says, if we don't have the Word already implanted in our hearts, we don't have a solid foundation. And we will lean to our own understanding. But notice he says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. Notice, and then He shall direct our path. So we see something here that the writer of Proverbs is bringing out as we trust in the Lord, as we seek Him first. Notice, in all thy ways seek Him, and what then He will direct our path. So we see, especially in the area of healing, especially in the area of prosperity, as well in life in general, really, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. Go with me a minute over to Romans, Romans chapter 8. Rome, in fact, no, on your way to Romans chapter 8, let's go to Philippians chapter 2 first. Philippians chapter 2. Look what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Notice what he writes here. For it is God which works in you both to, do, to will and to do of his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you. Notice, God's working in you. His Word's working in us. 
to will and to do for his good pleasure. He wants good for you. He wants good for me. The Amplified says, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you, notice, the power and the desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. The New Century Version says, Because God is working in you to help you want and to, to be able to do what pleases him. See, he wants to help us do what pleases to him. Now that we begin to see that desire is part of this, our desire needs to join his desire, and we need to separate ourselves and give ourselves to what he's called us to do and develop what he's already put within us. Now look at Romans chapter 8. This is what I want to get to in Romans chapter 8. Romans eight fourteen, Because we've already seen in Proverbs that he will direct our path as we lean not to our own understandings and we acknowledge him. Romans 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Notice, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. Now look at that little word, led. Because really, what this scripture really means, those who follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's trying to tell us. And of course, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? Where's he going to lead us? He's always going to lead us into truth. He's always going to lead us in line with the Word of God. That's where He's going to lead us. So really, we can say two things. We need to know the Word because we need to know that He's leading us in line with the Word and we need to know Him. We need to know who's leading us. You know, even Jesus, we see in Jesus chapter 4 when Jesus was, notice, He was led by the Spirit, what? Into the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? Led by the Spirit of God into a wilderness experience. Now, if he didn't know God, of course, he was the son of God, but again, if he didn't know God, he could have fought that. But he had to be led by the Spirit. He had to go into that wilderness experience so he could overcome what Adam lost. But in that wilderness experience, notice he was tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights. But I think it's interesting when he was tempted of the devil, the devil quoted Scripture. Took it out of context, but quoted Scripture. You know, I remember this story. Some of you probably have read it, but the story of Kenneth E. Hagin when he was laying on the bed of sickness. And God really unveiled to him or revealed to him Mark eleven twenty four. But right in the middle of that, the devil quoted Scripture to him. And for days, he gave up. Because really, the Lord, in fact, just look at Mark eleven twenty four. We'll come right back to Romans. Look at Mark eleven twenty four. You can probably quote it. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Of course, Brother Hagin, when he was laying on that bed of sickness, was desiring healing in his body. Some of you may be desiring healing today. What things soever you desire. Notice, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Well, he was laying there on that bed of sickness and the devil went ahead and told him that it's for man unto die, wants unto man to die. He thought his time was up. The devil quoted Scripture, but really took it out of context. But look what the Scripture tells us. What things soever you desire. You desire healing? Whatsoever you desire, when you pray, what? Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Well, when Jesus was in that wilderness experience, the devil went ahead and quoted Scripture. Again, took it out of context. 
But if Jesus had not known the word, he'd have been deceived. And what's James tell us? We need to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, for the hearer of the word is deceived. But the doer is what? Blessed. Blessed in his deed. The doer is the blessed person. So really, what he's saying here, those who follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they are the sons of God. So we need to know the Word of God and we need to know the Spirit of God. Now that little word led, it's a Greek word. It's agon, A-G-O-N. It's actually ago, A-G-O, but it's, it's the root word of agon, A-G-O-N, which in turn is where we get our word, think about this, agony. I think that's interesting. The, the, really, the, the word that we have for lead comes out of the word agony. So what's he saying? It actually describes an intense conflict, such as a struggle in a wrestling match or a struggle of the human will. It also is described as an act of leading about an animal, such as a cow or a goat, when the owner wraps a rope around the animal's neck and tugs and pulls until the animal will follow him. You know, we have a will. And you know, we always want to do things our way. That's why a lot of, that's why a lot of people, a lot of us, and we're going to take a look at it a little bit more in depth this morning, but really a lot of us, why we're not walking in the blessings of God, not walking in the healing of God, not walking in the prosperity of God, not in our place as far as the body of Christ is concerned, not exactly at least where He wants us to be, is because we're doing our own thing. Now, we won't come down and actually admit it, but we are. We're doing our own thing. You know, you know the, as we said, we quoted already, James, we need to be a doer of the Word. Are we a doer of all the Word? How many of you have got some things that you're worrying about? Well, if you're worrying about something, you're not being a doer. Because he says what? Casting the whole of our care. Do you know that Matthew, I think it's interesting, says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine? It's those little things that trip us up a lot of times. But no, if we're going to be a doer of the Word, we have to be a doer of all the Word of God. So what he's saying here, those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And to be led by the Spirit of God means sometimes there's a conflict that's going to take place with your human will. The Spirit of God may be prompting you to do something, may be directing you to do something. In fact, you know, look, you're at Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 16. Romans 8, 16. For the Spirit, it says itself, supposed to say himself, for the Spirit himself, notice, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Do you know that you're a child of God? You know that, right? Why? Because His Spirit bears witness with you. Well, if you know you're a child of God because His Spirit bears witness with, to you, there's other things that you can know by the Spirit of God. I mean, really, we should be able to know everything by the Spirit of God. And the reason that we don't is because we lean to our own understanding. Our minds get clouded. So really, Romans 8.14 really carries this idea. Following the leadership of the Holy Spirit is one of the privileges of being a son of God. Now listen, although it may be agonizing to learn how to defer to him and really let him be our leader. So what's it really saying? Follow the leader. 
Ever played the game as a child, follow the leader? Well, you just went wherever the leader went. That's how we're supposed to do it. So really, if you look at the definition here uh, of the word agon, remember, one of the things it described was an act. An act of leading about an animal or a goat where the owner puts a rope around his neck and tugs or pulls. You know, there's times that the Holy Spirit will tug at your heart. It's just a little tugging on the inside. Ever had that when you're sitting there watching TV and you know very well down on the inside there's a little tugging? Turn the channel. Don't watch that. But you keep right on watching it. I'll wait till the next commercial. Ever thought that? I'll just wait till the next commercial. I want to see the next scene. But there's a tugging at your heart. And see, if we don't yield to that immediately, then we grieve the Spirit of God. And that's really what he's trying to get to. If we'll learn in those little cases, those little instances, things that seem so insignificant to us, if we'll learn in those areas to immediately yield over to him. You know, what's talking about his spirit bears witness to our spirit. He's really talking about a yielding. That's what it is. It's a yielding. But it's two things that he talks about there, about that, about that agony of the flesh. It's a tugging, but then sometimes the Holy Ghost really literally almost tries to pull you. Ever had that? I have. I've had that where I know, man, he's telling me, don't do that. Don't, he's really pulling me, don't do that. I hate to admit it, but I know very well there's times that, that I've rebelled against it, and I've done it anyway. See, that's what he's trying to get to. He wants to get us to the place that we're so sensitive to him. You know, there's a scripture over in, the, uh, 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 in, in Psalms. I can't find it right now, but I'll get it for you if you need it. But we've shared about it before. It talks about being rain-led. I think we've shared on that before. I remember uh, when I was a, a, a child in my late teens, we had horses. We raised horses and so forth. And, and many times, you know, you can put a bridle in a horse's mouth. And you can take the reins, you can lead him. But we are at the place sometimes with some of the horses, they were so tense, uh, tender, they were so sensitive, we didn't, we didn't have a, a bridle in their mouth. We sometimes we just have a halter on them and a rope. And we could ride that horse and that, that rope. He was so trained that you could just take that rope and lay it up against his, against his neck and he'd just turn to the left, he'd turn to the right. You could just tug on a little bit. He'd know when to stop, he'd know when to go. They were just rein trained is what they were. That's what God wants you and I to be. So rain trained. See, he'll lead you into healing. Do you realize there's a pathway to healing for every one of us? It's not the same for all of us. Because one of the reasons it's not, many, many, many times, we don't know what the root cause is of our illness. Medicine deals with symptoms. The Holy Ghost deals with the root. And we want to deal with the roots of things. But we're going to have to be led into healing. We're led into prosperity. We're led into his, his plan, His purpose for our lives. Now, if you want to be spirit-led, there's no way around this. You're going to have to deal with your flesh. And we don't like to hear that sometimes. See, the flesh wants to control. So you're going to have to mortify or defeat the flesh to allow the Holy Spirit to have His way. Go with me to um, Romans chapter 12. Very familiar portion of Scripture. Romans chapter 12. 
There's some things that I've been studying out for the last nine or ten months about the purpose of God, the plan of God. And the more that I'm seeing this, it really deals with every area of our life, but especially right here, Romans chapter 12. When Sarah was playing this morning and Pastor Peter were, were leading, he kind of alluded to it a little bit about being holy, about really yielding ourselves, giving ourselves totally over to him. Look what he says here in Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Paul writes, I beseech you. Now, there's an intensity in that word beseech. Paul's really, he's literally begging. I mean, he's crying out to, to this church of Rome more than anything else. He says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm begging you. Make your bodies a living sacrifice. You know what verse 1 is really talking about? It's talking about worship. Worship isn't just singing. Worship is making our body a living sacrifice. You know, when Abraham took Isaac, what was he doing? He was, making, he was going to use Isaac as a sacrifice. He was worshiping God, offering a sacrifice. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He, listen to what this says here. I beseech you, I'm begging of you, by the mercies of God, notice, that you present your body a living sacrifice. You know, that's something that you and I need to do every day. Every day we need to present our body to Him. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, now notice, that you present. Again, notice, Who's going to put off and put on? You are. Who's going to do presenting? You are. Notice, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Notice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The New Century Version says, So, brothers and sisters, since God has shown us great mercy, I beg you to offer your lives as a living sacrifice. Offer it to Him. That means it's a free will. Your will's involved in this. Offer your bodies or your lives as a living sacrifice. Your offering must be only for God and pleasing to Him. Notice, which is the spiritual way for you to worship Him. It's the spiritual way for you to worship Him. Now, notice what Paul's saying here. He's saying, you and I individually, we need to present ourselves to God. Now, the Greek word that Paul uses for present our bodies as the living sacrifice, really what he's saying, this isn't something light. This is no light affair. No, it's got to be done in a very hallowed manner. It's got to be done in a very consecrated and a serious manner. This is something serious. You're making an offering to God. And it's the most important thing that you have. It's you. Do you realize that, that God owns us several times over? I mean, he does. You think about that. He owns us several times over. First of all, he owns us by creation. He made us. You realize that when you make something, it's yours, and you can do with it whatever you want to do with it? God created us. He's our creator. But he loves us so much, he gave us a free will. And he's not going to make you do anything. And because, because we have a free will... Guess what happened? Adam did his own thing. And they fell. So then what happened? God bought us back. 
Second time he bought us. This time with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only did he create us, but he bought us. Bought us back. You know, and then not only that, but every second of every day he sustains us. We don't think about this, but you know what? If it wasn't for his grace, we couldn't even breathe. No, he owns us. So what he's really saying here is that we need to make ourselves a living sacrifice unto him, present ourselves unto him. It's a crucial and historic moment in our lives. Now listen, when we intentionally place ourselves in God's care, and that's what you're doing. Every day we need to do that. We surrender ourselves, put ourselves in his supervision, making a solemn pledge that we're his and therefore he can use us in whatever way that he wants to. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Now, can you begin to see why maybe we're not walking in some of the blessings that, that, we, should, that we don't have? He, is, he loves us so much. First of all, he created us. Secondly, he bought us back. Thirdly, he sustains us every day. Tells me something. He wants the absolute best for you. We're his creation. He wants the best for us. And the only way we're going to find out what that best is is constantly giving ourselves over to him, yielding ourselves over to him. And that's why the writer in Proverbs is saying, trust him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Listen, don't lean to your, don't think you have the answers because I promise you, we don't. We don't know what, what, what is best for us. Oh, you're really excited today. I can see this is really a shout message, isn't it? But I don't know about you, but I'm tired of walking the way I've walked in the past. I'm tired of not having victory. I'm not tired of walking in divine health. I mean, he says in this life there will be trials. There will be tribulations. We know that. But he also says that he would show us a way of escaping every one of them. He, would, he, he says that he'll always be our conqueror, be an overcomer. See, it's... It's our reasonable service to come and present ourselves back to Him. So with, with all that said and done, what's the wise thing for you and me to do? Present ourselves. Present our, Now listen to this. Present ourselves back to Him, which is just your reasonable service and worship. Now listen, in doing this, in presenting ourselves to Him, it opens the door and gives him the right to put his hand on us because whatever belongs to him, he has the right to direct it, to guide it, to take care of it, and to provide for it. And that's what we're doing when we're presenting ourselves to him. Every day, if we would get up every day and say, Father, I present myself to you. I make myself a living sacrifice today, Father. Lead me, guide me, direct me. Use me however you want to use me. I'll go wherever you want me to go today. I'll do whatever you want me to do today. But Lord, I want to worship you today. And when we do that, He's going to lead us. He's going to guide us. He's going to provide for us. Because what? He wants the best for you and He wants the best for me. That's what He wants for us. Think about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 
I don't think we think about this stuff enough. Now, it's interesting, Paul. what Paul's writing here. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, we could read it this way. Now, the body is for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. That's really what he's saying. See, for many Christians, the Lord's not able to take care of certain things in our lives because we have taken ourselves out of his hands. And that's what we've done. We're doing our own thing. We haven't given him the say-so-over. We're still the one doing the driving. And if we're doing the driving, guess what we're not doing? We're not being led. We're not paying attention to that tugging that he's doing, that pulling that he's doing on us. So, go right back to Romans chapter 12. What's he tell us in the next verse then? First of all, he tells us, present yourselves, your body, a living sacrifice. Let's look at the living sacrifice first before we go into verse 2. The living sacrifice. The Greek word for living sacrifice implies we must live in a continual state of surrender. Continual state of surrender and consecration. We must see every day of our lives as another day or another opportunity to yield ourselves over to Him. Each new day necessitates a new surrender and a new consecration. Each morning when we wake up, what we're going to have to be doing is training ourselves. And again, it's going to, we're going to require ourselves to train ourselves to do this because I promise you, we're not used to doing it. I don't know about you, but there's many days that, that I get up out of bed I brush my teeth, I get dressed, and I've done some things before I even hardly acknowledge the Lord. I'm not thinking about him some, but really, do I really, do I get out of bed and present myself to him? That's really what Paul's saying. Paul's saying here, I beg you, present yourself to him. Make your body a living sacrifice. See, as we awake each morning, we'll train ourselves to begin our day with a prayer of consecration in which we solemnly and holy reverence and present ourselves, what are we doing? Lord, I'm here today for your purpose. Because really, that's what we're created for. Been created by Him to fulfill a purpose on this earth by Him, or for Him, or really with Him. So what are we really saying? We're going to have to arrange and probably rearrange some things. I go to verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. Look at the Amplified. Do not be conformed to this world or this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external and superficial customs, but be transformed or changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, we're talking about a different realm of living. Not living how we've always lived in the past. And really, we've seen already in John that John says, I pray above all things that we may prosper and be in health. But notice, even as our soul prospers, or as our mind is renewed to the Word of God. Paul talks about it. 
James talks about it. John talks about it. All the writers are talking about it. Every one of them is talking about it, saying the same thing, coming from a different approach, coming from a different angle. Isaiah 1.19 says, If you'll be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Well, do we want to eat the good of the land? Sure we do. Eating the good of the land is having health. Eating the good of the land is having prosperity. Eating the good of the land is having our family, being blessed, our children, our grandchildren being blessed. But notice it's going to require two things. It's going to require a willingness and it's going to require an obedience. Pastor Chris and I were talking the other day. You know, sometimes we know God's prompting or tugging at us to do something and we'll do it out of obedience. But the question is, are you willing? You can do things, you know, and rebel all the way. It's like tithing. Oh, that's a good subject to talk about, isn't it? You know, there's a lot of people that tithe, but they don't tithe with a joyous heart. They do it because it's a law. Now, be willing and obedient. Let's look at three things. Three things to help us in our life in obedience. You've heard of all three of them. Number one, obey the Word of God. Be a doer of the Word of God. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Old Testament Scripture. Notice what God told the children of Israel. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe and do. Notice all of them. Observe them and do them. Very similar. In fact, we'll look at James in a few moments, but very similar to what James says. Being a hearer and a doer. Observing them and doing them. Notice, that you may live. Now, he's talking about live. He's not talking about existing. Now, he's talking about having a good life, that you may live and that you may multiply and that you may go in and possess the land which swore unto the fathers. Look at verse 7. For the Lord thy God brings thee into a good land, a learned land of brooks and of water and fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarcity. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills thou may dig brass. When thou hast eaten the fruit and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the land which he has given unto thee. Notice, they're all natural things that he's talking about, but they're all contingent about verse 1. Observing and doing. All the commandments. All of them. Now, if we're going to be a doer underneath the new covenant of all the commandments... Do you realize Romans 12.1 is one of those commandments? Presenting your body a living sacrifice is one of the things that we're going to have to be a doer of. Look at um, James chapter 1. We mentioned it, but let's just look at it. James chapter 1. Let's begin at verse 21. Now, this is James's account of Hebrews or, or Romans 12.2. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, now notice, which is what? Able to save your souls. Now, we know he's not talking about being born again because this is James writing to his church. He's a pastor talking to his church. He's talking to people that are already born again. No, he's talking about renewing their mind. Saving your souls is renewing the mind. That's what he's talking about. 
But notice, I think it's interesting. James is bringing out to be able to do this, you're going to have to receive the word, what? With meekness. That means you're going to humble yourself that when we read the word of God, if we see something, as we're doing our daily devotions or reading the Bible, if we see something that the Word says for us to do and we're not doing it, right there, stop. Say, now, Lord, good example, casting the whole of your care. Lord, I see here in your Word that you says I should, I should be doing this and I'm not doing this. I acknowledge I'm not doing it. So, Lord, I just present myself today that I'm going to be a doer of this. Help me. See, he doesn't expect us to do these things on our, on our own. That's why he gave us a helper. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if we'll yield ourselves over to him. See, when we make a decision of our will to be a doer of the word, what is that? That's faith. And when we exercise faith, what happens? Grace comes. And grace is the power and the ability to do those things that we can't do on our own. So, you know, it doesn't make any difference what area of the Word of God it is. If it's tithing, if it's walking in love, if it's casting the whole of our cares, whatever it is. We may not think in our current situation or what's going on in our life, I don't have the ability to be able to do this. But you know, He does. And it's when we yield ourselves over to Him. But that's what He's talking about here in verse 21, with meekness or with humility. Humility, when you'll humble yourself to the Word, immediately grace comes on the scene. In fact, look at, uh, hold your place right there, just jump over a couple of verses. Look at verse uh, chapter 4, verse 6 of James. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace, James 4, 6, but he gives more grace where he says, God resists the proud, but notice gives grace to what? The humble, the meek person, the one who says, Lord, I see what your word says, and I realize or I acknowledge I'm not doing it. Forgive me, Lord, and I choose today that I will do this. Help me. That's Bible humility. And he wants us to do that. Verse 7 then says of this chapter 4, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Notice, the resisting comes after the submitting. So really there's three things we can see here. First of all, if we'll humble ourselves to the Word, grace is going to come. If we submit ourselves to the Word, which really is similar to humbling ourselves to the Word, if we submit ourselves to the Word, then we can resist the devil. Then he has to leave. If you're resisting the devil and he's not leaving, here's the first place I would look. Have you submitted yourself to God? Have you submitted yourself to the Word? Are you being a doer of the Word? Go back to James chapter 1. With meekness. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in the glass, for he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner he, a man he was. But whoso looks in the perfect law of the liberty... Now notice and continues therein. So it tells me, just being the Word, we're going to have to continue in it. These things will slip from us. And I think that's why Paul brings out 
every day present ourselves. Every day submit yourself to God. And continues therein, be not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. And it is going to be work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. This man shall be blessed in his deed. So we can see number one, we're going to have to obey the word. This life of obedience, number one, obeying the word. In James 1.22 where it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, the, the, new, uh, the 20th century version says, put the message into practice. Number two, the second thing that will help us in our life of obedience, obey those that are in spiritual authority. And again, it's submission. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they must give account that they may do it with joy, not with grief. For that is unprofitable to you. The Amplified says, Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them continually, recognizing their authority over you. Now, you notice something about that word obey in verse 17 there. Obey your spiritual authority means that you also have to be willing to do it. You've got to be willing and obedient. Obey your spiritual leaders and submit to them continually, recognizing their authority over you, for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account for their trust. Do your part to let them do this with gladness and not with sighing and groaning, for that would be unprofitable to you. The message paraphrase of verse chapter 17, or 13, verse 17, the message paraphrase of Hebrews says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel, for they are alert to the condition of your lives and they work under strict supervision of God. So, again, number one, obey the Word of God. Number two, obey those in spiritual authority. And number three, obey in the little things. Remember we said that it's the foxes, that, the small foxes that spoil the vine? Look at Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Begin at verse 11. Luke chapter 19, verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive of himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, when he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound gained ten pounds. And he said to him, Well done, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, thou hast made authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound gained five pounds. And he said, Likewise, be thou over five cities. And to another came, saying, Behold, 
Lord, there is thy pound, which I have kept up in napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest thou didst not sow. And he said to him, O thine mouth will I judge, O out of thy mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant, for thou knowest that I am an austere man, taking up that I lay not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore thou gavest not thy money unto the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine of thy usury. And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound and give it to him that has ten. And they said unto the Lord, He has ten pounds. For I say unto you that unto every one which shall be given from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But thou thine enemies, which thou nigh not, for I should reign over them, bring hither and slay unto thee. Notice again verse 17. Verse 17. He said unto them, Well done, thou good servant, because thou hast been found faithful in very little. Notice, found faithful in very little. Notice what's going to happen to that one that's faithful over very little. He's going to rule over much. It's the small things. Be faithful. So what are we saying about obedience? Number one, obey the Word of God. Number two, obey those that are in spiritual authority because they represent God. And number three, obey in the little things. Be faithful over the little things. Let's close up with Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident in this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Amplified says, I am convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. Notice the... Uh, the, 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 the uh, way that this works, developing that good work in you, perfecting that good work, and notice, and bringing it to full completion. But notice, he's the one who does the developing. He's the one who does the perfecting. He's the one who brings it to full completion. Our part, though, is to be obedient and be a doer of the Word. Back to what he said in Proverbs, Trust in the Lord. Trust in His Word. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. What? Lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. I just want to take us a, just a few minutes this morning as we close here. Let's just stand up a moment. Let's just take some time. Let's just consecrate ourselves to Him today. I, I think we need to get in the habit of doing this. I know we each have our own ways of doing things. But, you know, we all want to be blessed in every area of our lives, everything that he's called us to do. You wouldn't come here every Thursday if you didn't want to be blessed, if you didn't want to be doing what God's called you to do, if you didn't want to be walking in the, in the things that God's called you to do and, and making uh, sure that you're doing your part that the kingdom's called us to do. But in every area, we're going to have to make ourselves a living sacrifice. So today, Father, we just come here today and we consecrate ourselves, Father. Your Word says, Father, that we're to examine ourselves, every one of us, Father. We just examine ourselves, Father. We look to you, Father. You know our heart. It's the heart that you look at. So, Father, we just consecrate ourselves. We just present ourselves to you today, Father. Present ourselves as a living sacrifice, Father.
Oh, Lord, we thank you, Father. We give our lives to you, Father. We thank you, Father God, that you created us, Father, that you purchased us, Father, that you sustain us every day that you sustain us. Father, we thank you, Father, that the blessing of the Lord makes rich, Father, that you add no sorrow with it. Father, we thank you for our bodies, Father. I speak, Father God, to every body that's here, Father. I speak to every organ in their bodies, Father. We speak wholeness, healing, Father, to their bodies in the name of Jesus, Father. We come against every sickness and every disease, Father, as we consecrate ourselves to you, Father, as we make ourselves a living sacrifice, Father. We desire, Father, and we commit to go where you'll tell us to go, Father, to do what you tell us to do, to say what you tell us to say, Father. But, oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father, that you have our very best in mind, Father. Oh, but that you're for us and you're not against us, Father. Father, we thank you that your word says that we're more than conquerors in this life, Father, that we're overcomers, Father. So, Lord, we give you praise today, Father. Just lift your hands and just thank him. Oh, Father, we just praise you today. Father, we just worship you today. Oh, we worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. We just lift our hands, Father, without wrath and without doubting, Father God. Oh, Father, we just give our lives to you as a living sacrifice, Father God. Consecrate ourselves, Father. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you, Father. Father, your word says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in these bodies, Father, quickening them, Father, bringing life, Father, life, Father. I speak, Father God, to every organ, Father, in the name of Jesus. We speak life to it now, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I speak to, to every muscle. I speak to every ligament. I speak to every joint, Father God, in Jesus' name. We speak life to that, Father, life in Jesus' name. Oh, Father, we give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you praise. Oh, if there's any pain in your body, if there's any sickness, anything in your body, see it gone. See it whole. Thank Him for it right now. Thank you. He's the healer. You're the healer, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord God, we thank You, Father. We thank You for Your healing power, Father. Oh, we give You praise, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank You, Father. We're convinced, Father. Oh, Lord God, that You have begun a good work in our lives, Father and that it will continue until the day of Jesus Christ's return. We thank You, Father, that You're developing in us, Father, perfecting in us, Father, and bringing to full completion. Full completion, Father. Oh, we give You praise, Father. We give You praise, Father. Oh, thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you, Father. We 
worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your anointing, Father. Your anointing that is in this place, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word, Father. We thank you, Father God, that you sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper, to be our strengthener, to be our standby, to be the enabler. There's nothing, Father, that is impossible to him who believes, Father. So, Lord, whatever is taking place in the lives of your people here today, Father, there's nothing, Father, that you would not do for them, Father. In fact, Father, you've already done it. So, Father, we look to you. We look to your word, Father. And we thank you, Father, for your mercy. We thank you for your grace, Father. As we go today, Father, we go in your power. We go in your grace. Being led by your spirit. Now, Father... We just ask that we would make ourselves so sensitive to the tugging of your spirit, Father, that we'll be led in everything that we do, in everything that we say, Father. And, Lord, that you will receive the glory for everything that's done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Well, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.